Welcome back to uh, On Off Topic. How you doing, Brad? Oh, I'm wonderful, Andrew. It's been a full two weeks. Yeah, a little busy. I had a work trip. I wasn't around, so. I was actually I in uh, Detroit, but I can't, ah, I can't talk about what I was doing. The Motor City. Yeah, if we had had more time, we were going to go do, because I was with a bunch of, my coworkers are all car people too. So uh, next time we're out there, because we have an office now out there, we'll probably do some more car stuff, because a couple people told me that like you could pretty much see cool cars on Woodward almost every night, so. We'll uh, we'll have to check it out. We're we're talking about going to the Henry Ford Museum too. I was gonna say there's a bunch of museums there as well yeah. that you should go to, specifically starting with that one. Mm-hmm. But I saw the GM building as I the plane was landing. I looked out the window. It's just That's like, cool. It's like four skyscrapers, and then everything else is just flat. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know as though I've ever flown into Detroit before. I don't think I have. I, I know I'd never like visited there. Nobody goes But there. I don't think I've even even ever had like a layover there or anything. It's not a busy airport. Okay. Well um, I do want to go. Naomi has some family there that actually are car people too. Um and uh I do want to visit sometime around Dream Cruise time. So it's probably hard not to be a car person because there's so much car industry there. Like, yeah probably. Like uh our office is like a few doors down from Lingenfelter. And like, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then like next door, it's just like Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, like tool division. Weird. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's an Avanti restoration shop, part shop. Are so, there enough people to support that? That own Avantis, I guess. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's interesting and also impressive. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't know that. I think I've only ever known of one Avanti owner in my life, and he was a an older gentleman who I don't think is with us anymore, unfortunately. No. Um, maybe he is. I don't know. I'd ask my dad. He knows him better than I do. Um, but he was an old electrical engineer, and he loved that car. And he was always making like these strange modifications to it that you would think an electrical engineer would. But I've never known anybody but him to own an Avanti. And you know, you and I have been kind of involved in this car hobby our whole lives so you think we would have known some more than one owner but when i think of an avanti i think of that one car in like that goldish brown color that i saw my entire life yeah um and as you'd expect we definitely saw a couple camoed cars running around i guess i was told as you get closer to the oems like it's way more common but because we're a little bit further out but they're around Oh, as in like new, not released cars yet? Yeah, all test mules running around. Interesting. Yeah. Anything interesting of them or just all like SUVs and CUVs? Yeah, just like SUVs, modern SUVs. We saw one we thought maybe it was a, like a, a Cadillac Lyric maybe being out tested, but because it didn't, you know, I, they must have maybe changed the headlights or something, but. I don't know. It didn't look like it had exhaust, but a lot of times they tuck exhaust under bumpers now. I don't know. I don't think I know what that car is. Is it a... Uh... It's a, It's the new all-electric Cadillac SUV. Okay. It's called the Lyric. It's, it's pretty good looking for an SUV. It's just a big Cadillac. I did not even know they were making, making one that was all-electric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're getting there, but I would... Honestly, once 
we've been we've been saying this. Once the OEMs start getting into it, uh, you know, Teslas are, are kind of cool, kind of. I don't know. I think it's like the fan base that really turns me off. Uh, of course. But the uh, the OEMs that are making these cars, they're much better looking. Like the, the styling is better looking, as far as I'm concerned. I well, and the build quality is probably going to be better. I'd rather have a Mustang. I'd rather have a Mustang Mach E over a, a Tesla. Yeah, well, the Tesla version of that would be the Model Y, and it has those dumb doors on it. So yeah, I wouldn't want that thing either. No. So I, 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 whatever. I, it's it's interesting to see they're coming out. I didn't know Cadillac was doing the Lyric. I didn't know that it was going to be an electric. Um, I thought it was just going to be the Hummer was going to be the big hot one to come out first, and then I figured they'd probably do a bunch of. Um, like platform sharing off that truck. So I'm sure it's probably related somewhere. Yeah, it's cool stuff. So anyway, I uh, I saw you went for a drive though. I did. Actually, it was kind of interesting. Um, Can you explain what it was? Because it wasn't no. super clear. You can't. Okay. <laughs> I still can't. No. So All right. So, so social, a bit of a social media, media marketing fail on their part, I think. A little bit of one. Um However, going in and looking at the other locations where it happened, there was a bit more support behind it. Okay. So long story short, it was I, the only reason I knew about it was because our friend Lane, uh, Lane Skelton Designs, who is on from the DWA podcast, created a poster for this event. And it was taking place in three major cities, New York, uh, somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. it looks like it's Moha, Moha. Maha. I don't know. Anyway, uh, and and Phoenix. Yeah, I was like, uh, that's weird because they're mostly like a New York place. So my assumption is it was based on this company called Car Park NYC, and yeah. they do some neat stuff out of New York that I've seen. They do some like parking garage, rooftop, drive-in theater nights, and some cruises around like Long Island and other places. And they yeah, have they'll do like a fancy cars and coffee and like a. Yeah, they do like pop up cars and coffees and like in garages in Manhattan, like some some neat neat, neat fancy stuff. Yeah, I've wanted to go, uh, but it, it's you know New York is like four hours away from where where I am in the US. Yeah, it's not it's not around the corner. Yeah. So they're doing this thing with Haggerty and Dunkin' Donuts. So my assumption is, and this is just an assumption, so I could be wrong, is that somebody involved with this Dunkin' Donuts is not Dunkin' Donuts corporate; it's a Dunkin' Donuts franchise owner. Yes. And he probably owns franchises in New York, New Jersey, and maybe he winters out here in Phoenix and owns a few, a few here as well. So that Which, would be my my, my guess. I, it, that sounds right because I know just from living around here, most dunks, as we call them, are uh, franchised. They're not owned by uh, Dunkin' Donuts Corporate. Correct. And the proper word now, Andrew, wouldn't be Dunks if you're going by their it's corporate not. structure. It would be Dunkins. Dunkins. Yes. That's weird. It would be very hard to get the New England faithful to stop saying Dunks or Dunkies and change it to Dunkins. But that is their official rebranding. They are no longer Dunkin' Donuts. They are Dunkin'. <laughs> weird. Yeah. So anyway, uh, enough corporate chilling <laughs> for our podcast here. Uh, we're not... Typically Dunkin' Donuts drinkers anyway, but so this, uh, this event was billed as a drive, um, kind of like a rolling cars and coffee, I think was the plan. Mm-hmm. 
So they named each route after a famous racetrack somewhere, you know, in the world, like Monza or Imola or Silverstone or one of those. And they'd have four or five Dunkin' Donuts along each route. And you're supposed to drive to at least three of them on your route and earn like points to go to each one and then finish up at the last one and pick up a poster that says, Hey, I did the whole event and this, that, and the other thing. Okay. So I was like, all right, this seems cool. There was nowhere to see what the start and end time was, which event I needed to start at or which location I needed to start at. Um, so I messaged them and it was pretty much free form. Okay. So you had between the hours of eight and 12 to complete your, your three stop route. So, um, Naomi and I were looking at the ones here in Phoenix and one of them is probably about three miles down the road. We the main road we live off of. Oh, perfect. So it's like, Oh, we'll just start there. Eight o'clock. Perfect. So we started there and, uh, I expected to maybe see another few cars in the parking lot, but we were alone. Okay. And I was like, all right, this is cool. We wanted to go for a drive anyway. It was a beautiful morning. It was probably, you know, mid-70s, sunny, breezy, like the perfect day to be out in the car. And the one of the other stops on this route was up in Prescott, Arizona, which is, you know, it's a it's a it's a neat place to go. The road to get there if you don't take the interstate is uh, Route 89. It's a very windy you know, mountain pass with some really neat switchbacks and up and down hills and, and all that. So we're like, all right, whatever, no big deal. We'll, we'll check us out. We'll go to the next stop. The next stop was clear across town in Surprise, Arizona. Um, it's probably, I don't know, 15, 20 miles. That was a short, short little stop. Mm-hmm. We got to that one. We saw the checkered flag thing out front, pulled in the parking lot. It's just a bunch of SUVs and regular customers. So that didn't pan out either. And we're like, all right, well, now we have a few hours to get to the last destination because now it's like 930 and uh, we'll head up the back way from Surprise, Arizona, up um, Grand Ave through Phoenix and up to Route 89. So we started to go and uh, we're taking some pictures along the way to you know follow along with the the Car Park NYC post. They had like a social media thing where, you'd, you know, hashtag Duncan Drives. Yep. So we were doing that as we went along. We pulled in this parking lot. Um, this is probably one of the more interesting parts of the whole day. This uh, gentleman pulled in a Tacoma, uh, and he asked me if I ever seen a right-hand drive one of my car. We were in the Cressida. And I was like, I, you know, I've never seen one in person. And he asked me if I was, would ever convert mine. And I was like, well, no. It's kind of a strange question. Uh, but it turns out that uh, he actually lived in Japan from the late 70s until like 1985. Okay. So he knew the cars very well. He knew them as Mark IIs, not as Cressidas, as they were called. Um, and he was way into it, and he was super excited about everything that we were doing with the car. <laughs> so that was kind of weird, but neat. Um, he uh, was talking about all the different cars and um, Cressidas and Coronas and all the different you know stuff that he had in Japan when he was younger. He didn't own them. Actually, his family did because... He, uh, he was a kid and his father was, I guess, in the military. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is weird. It's the second time somebody who lived in Japan in the early 80s has come up to me with that car. And the other guy, when I was talking to him at a stoplight, said that, yeah, he lived there and he loved those cars. He couldn't afford one. So he had an 82 Sapporo. 
Oh, okay. And I was like, whoa, that is the most random thing ever. <laughs> he goes, I have an 83 Sapporo. And he goes, come on. <laughs> so that was that was neat too. But anyway, so we moved on from there. We went up 89. Like I said, it's a really scenic drive. If you're ever in Arizona and you're a car guy and you don't take Route 89, then you're making a big mistake. Um, we got to Prescott. We pulled into the final Dunkin' Donuts stop and we were the only ones there. Yeah. I was like, Okay, the theme continues. Um, I don't think it was promoted very well in Arizona. Uh, probably I think not. It's the problem because looking at the photos from the New York and New Jersey events, there were hundreds of cars. Yeah, it was way more organized. They had stickers for the cars. Like I don't know if they were probably not a super sticky sticker. It was like a picture of a donut with a number on it, um, and everybody had their posters, and they all had like window decals. Uh, and we had none of those things. And even the poster that we were promised that it said that every Arizona location had a poster at the end. I didn't get a poster. <laughs> All they had were some Haggerty magazines that I already get and some Dunkin' Donuts keychains. Weird. Yeah, I was a little upset. So I messaged them hoping I can get a uh, a copy of the poster. So, you know, and looking through all the social media posts, I only saw one other vehicle that did the Arizona loops and they did the opposite loop that I did. Well, maybe they should they did have the one starting in Scottsdale. Maybe they should have hired you to, to organize it. Maybe, but it got me thinking um, that we could do something like this and have a Massachusetts version and an Arizona version um, and make it at least as successful as the Arizona one is. Cause I know I'll do it. And that's all that best. That's all we need to be successful as the one that happened last weekend. And I'll do the one here. Right. So we'll be good. But uh, I I think what was neat about it was it was the concept of it was really cool because you had three stops. There were five stops on each route and you need to do three of them total because that's what they figured you could probably get done in that time frame. But there was no there was no route book. There was no, you know, this one to this one. This is how you get there. You were kind of on your own to, to make each stop individually, um, which was kind of neat because you could do it at your own pace. You, If you didn't want to take 89, if you were driving in something that's not a great handling car, which we'll get to that afterwards, um, you could just go up the interstate and go to Prescott and still you know, have the scenic views in Prescott that day if you wanted. You know, it's, it's a good way to get out and use your vehicles and drive your cars. And I think that we could easily do something if we put our heads to it with a similar set up um, and have a East coast and a West coast kind of cruising day with our, you know, listeners and friends in our areas. So I think this, uh, the main reason I even talk about it, cause again, it was just basically it was me and Naomi going for a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning drive is basically what it wound up being. So let's go inspect some Dunkin' Donuts. Inspect. Yes. Yeah. That's what we did. Yep. I mean, we knew we were at the right places cause they had this like checkered flag thing outside of each one of them. Um, so we're like, yeah, this is definitely one of the locations, but unfortunately nobody else partook at one point I did see like five Mazda speed threes driving together. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if they're doing the same thing today. But after not seeing posts about it afterwards, I'm assuming they did not. (laughs) So it was a good day out. Um, I will say that mountain passes, in an old automatic car are not ideal. Probably not. Yeah. I, the I, car, mean, 
I've burned a few rental car transmissions up that road. So the, the car handled very well. Um, I will say that it's surprisingly well for, I guess it's not a big car and it is technically a, a first gen Supra chassis. So it, it's, it's got a little bit of a sporting intention to it. Um, and it is all new suspension. So it, it did handle fairly well on a hard right turn with the right undulation in the pavement. Um, the left front wheel I have now learned does rub. Uh, it doesn't rub around town, but it, it rubbed a few times on some you know aggressive posted 20 mile an hour right turns. I probably would have been fine if I did them at the posted 20 miles an hour, but I was probably exceeding that by a couple. So under full compression while turning, it does rub on the inside of the fender, uh, which is not ideal. But again, the car doesn't get used in that way too too often. And driving around town, it's never rubbed. So yeah, um, I, I unfortunately I didn't think that the uh, the Colt was the best vehicle for the day, just because I wasn't sure what kind of roads we'd be driving. But if I had to do it again, I probably would have taken the Colt or maybe even the Eclipse just for that portion of the road. But the um... Crest is all painted too. Had that done? Yeah, that was going to be the next part. This was the first time the Crest had been out since it's all been all been repaired and painted. So, I will say, if you're in anywhere anywhere near Phoenix, I mean, anywhere within a half a day's drive of Phoenix, I would get in contact with Danny, who painted my car. Um, his name is. I'm gonna look it up real quick so I don't mispronounce his last name. It's Danny Kavika. So his Instagram handle is D-A-N-N-Y-K-A-V-I-K-A. He painted my Cressida. He did the bodywork on the door that was poor from the previous, two previous ghost owners. Uh, and he made the thing like, um, I regret not having him do the whole car because now that right side <laughs> looks spectacular and it makes the left side look like trash. Uh-huh. So. Listen, I, I couldn't afford to have the whole car redone just, just after buying it anyway. So maybe someday down the road, I'll have the whole car redone again by him because I'll tell you, he, he was very reasonable. He was very quick um, and he uses all quality products and he was sending me pictures throughout the whole process. Every time he made a change, he blocked it out or he primed it or he did any work to the car at all. He uh, he did top-notch stuff so if you're ever anywhere near phoenix and need body work done uh look this gentleman up he's currently in the process of setting up a new shop so actually he did it for me in his home garage and uh, if you told me that it was done in a multi-million dollar spray booth i wouldn't have questioned it because it came out that nice so it's it's like a mirror it's glass it's so good and it was literally done in his garage so and he loves working on, you know, older import stuff. That's his his main wheelhouse. He's got a he dailies an FRS and uh, and a hot rod Miata. So that's definitely his scene. So he's he's way into it and uh, very very trustworthy, very good, very reliable. And that's hard to find sometimes. <laughs> so I would uh, highly recommend him to anybody in this area, Danny Kavika. So follow him on Instagram and check out his stories because anytime he does any work to any cars, he usually posts them up on his stories as he's going along. So I had had, I had heard good things and seen his work on our friend, um, laser Hawk Miata. He's uh, his Instagram name, obviously is laser Hawk. Um, he's got a, I'm going to screw up the name of the color. 
but it's a, a deep metallic blue. And I'd seen parts that Danny had painted for it that he had not blended into adjacent panels. He had just panel painted and they were just spectacularly perfect for a metallic blue color. So I did have him blend the Cressida just because I wanted it to look absolutely perfect on the side because that was the reason I was painting it was because the door was so much more green than the rest of the car and it just stuck out like a sore thumb and the bodywork on it was questionable at best. So I was a little nervous he was going to start sanding the car down and we were going to have serious dents and serious bondo under the under the paint because that's how bad the bodywork was. But it turned out that it was just whoever painted it last time didn't block it out very well and they just sprayed it real quick. So my my assumption is, and again, totally on assumption here, the person who I purchased the car from made the deal to buy the car. And then in between making the deal and going to pick it up, the door got damaged. So the seller probably did a I the quickest possible, cheapest paint job he could get done on that door. Um, because the guy who I bought the car from even said that he didn't notice it. It wasn't in the pictures when he was looking at the car. And he didn't even notice it because of where the car was parked when he picked it up until he was driving the car home after paying for it at a gas station. So... Mm. My assumption is that it was it was done real quick to sell the car. So that's fixed now. The door is like, like I said, I mean, this guy, he made the thing like a mirror. It's really nice. And he cool. didn't even use filler. It's just all old school bodywork. So, nice. yeah, it's it's real good. It's real good. I'm nervous. I'm even nervous to have it in the garage now. Like, I want to park it on the other side just so that that side is against the wall and nobody walks by it. So... It's uh, it's 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 super nice. So, very very happy. So I think the only thing left to do that car now is to change out that subwoofer in the trunk, which I haven't done yet, and uh, not right away, but eventually pick up a set of fourteens, fourteen inch wheels versus the fifteens that are on there, and that car will be pretty much all set for as long as I intend to own it. Yep. Probably forever at this point. Sounds about Although, it. Although watching the prices of old Toyotas on Bring a Trailer the past few weeks, it's it's awful tempting to throw it up there because cars in similar shape are going for the mid thirties now. So. Yeah, but um, they'll probably continue to be worth money, so you should probably enjoy it for a while. Oh, I have no intention on selling it right away. It's just really tempting when you see something going for that kind of money. You know, some cars that used to be considered not very desirable. There was an eight, like an eighty thousand mile. Um, first gen Supra, which went for like thirty-two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It's just, it's, it's insane what's happening with old Japanese cars. We've talked about it before. They're just, they're starting to be appreciated more than they used to be, and it's, it's crazy. But the only auction I've I saw recently that was like kind of weird was the Daewoo Laganza with like forty-two miles on it. Yeah, I assumed that was because the car didn't run long enough to put any miles on it. It's the story. It was a dealer, and somehow it ended up in their storage and never got sold. Because nobody was buying them? Nobody wanted them new? Yeah, it was. I think they were only here from like 99 to like 05 or something. Yeah, they didn't last very long. Yeah, the cars didn't last very long. No, not at all. 
<laughs> yeah, they were pretty bad. But I also remember that because I used to work for the Mitsubishi dealer before the one for you did, and I th- you probably worked for Infinity when they were selling Daewoo's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember the, having them in the back lot of Mitsubishi because they'd be broken and they couldn't get parts. Yep. So I remember that happening often. They that happened. Ugly little sport coupe one. It was like oh, a. Yeah. It was like, it was a like their Yaris. Yeah, but it was like a Gremlin, but even uglier. Gremlins are like endearing. This car was just ugly. Yeah. And it had like a. I remember there was a black version with like a really cheap leather. I think it was the Lanos. I think it was a Lanos. Yeah. That was like the sport one. And you get it was a like, manual. It was like if you took a, a Ford Aspire and then Crunched beat it, it up. Beat it a little bit. And then you had a Tehu Lanos. It was a Ford Aspire for people who didn't quite aspire to get the Ford. <laughs> It was uh, yeah. a pretty terrible, pretty I mean, terrible car. I don't remember the warranties being very good either, but you could buy a brand new one for like the price of a decent like CPO car at the time. Probably even less. Yeah. It's weird. Weird, weird, weird. Let's see. The MSRP of a Daewoo hatchback in 2000 was, drumroll please, $8,600. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. The weird thing is they only averaged 30 miles per gallon. That's pretty good. Mm. I don't know. So that's not as good as like our, uh, our our old Mirage got better than that mix. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe the, the Daewoo's are made out of recycled lead or something. I don't know. They were too much. <laughs> they're just terrible. Because um, I that was the other thing, like the glass. So if you wear eyeglasses and you ever have you ever tried transitions um they don't work in a car for sunglasses right because of the uv protection right yeah because they're triggered by uv light and they'll tell you that when you buy them or they're like you know these won't work in the car you're like okay um so i got in a day with one day to move it and actually i was i was like driving it somewhere and my glasses went dark so <laughs> that tells you how cheap they were. Yeah. So they'll, the, the cars will also give you skin cancer just from driving around. Yeah. <laughs> the car is literally cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so there was in the last few years of them, there was an S E and an S X. And then for the last two years, they dropped the S X and had one called the sport. So the sport included red and black leather seats and a metallic silver dash. Yeah. So that must be the one owner? you're thinking of. You think there's an owners group? Like a Facebook? Of course there is. Group? Of course there is. I mean there's a listen, there's a Dodge Colt owners group, so why wouldn't there be a Dave Ulano's owners group? I don't know. <laughs> it's arguably more popular in twenty what year are we in? Twenty twenty one. There's probably more members of that group than the Dodge Colt group. Just because they're a more recent car. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> Weird. Next thing you know, I'm going to own one. Nope. Nope. Do not do that. All right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I, I think, I can't remember if I talked about this, 
I did manage to get... Hold the, on, sorry, I apologize. The Daewoo Lanos Fan Club is a public group with 2,500 members. All right, that's about probably about how many cars are left. I feel like it's worldwide, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worldwide. And there's it's probably mostly, a bunch of them. I guarantee there's a bunch of them running around Phoenix because they didn't rot away. I don't see them. Really? No, I don't see it. It looks like most of them are in... Probably they're probably Korean built. It looks like most of these people here are in Korea or are Philippines. Hmm. So, yeah, they seemed like a car that the headlights turned real yellow in like a year because there's no UV protection there either. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, from Sri Lanka. So yeah, they're out there. This is a world. Is two point five thousand people in the worldwide club. Hmm. So. All right. Well, I think I talked about this on the G20, but maybe I didn't. I did manage to get the blink code to turn off. Yes, on the ABS. You did not talk about that. Okay. So I managed to do the right combo of up, up, down, down, left, right, whatever it was to get it to turn off and reset. Um, And then I was like, cool. Took it for a drive. And the two codes for like control module and the servo motor because those were depowered, those didn't come back on. But the code for the left rear sensor came back on. Okay. Short circuit. So I'm like, all right, I guess it probably needs a sensor because uh, I've cleaned it and I've checked it. Everything else um, it has continuity, but it says like short circuit. It's weird because it's like intermittent because uh, both the cars sit over a week while I was gone. Came back, drove it about five miles, didn't come on. I was like, cool. I, the light had been on, so the code was still there because I checked it. I reset it, backed out of the driveway to try to drive it again, Come, came on almost instantly. I was like, it's so weird. So, so we've narrowed it down though. Days, um, I'm going to try it again. I don't know, to see how often it comes on. So we've narrowed it down to just the left rear, though? Yeah, it's just the left rear. Okay, so So worst case scenario, you only need to buy that one sensor. Just that one $400 sensor. Right. Which (laughs) that one almost as much as the car's worth sensor. Which is an (laughs) NTK sensor, which is probably the OEM sensor. Because they're the only ones that make it. That's And apparently, when you look at that part number, that part number does not cross to anything else. It's only for those G20s. So that's probably why it's so expensive. It's not used anywhere else. That's so strange. Yeah. It's not not a parts bin thing. So. Um, so strange. I don't know. I'm going to keep trying it and drive it some more and see what happens. Because uh, otherwise the car runs. It still drives fine even when it comes on. So uh, eventually I'll fix it. But now I know it's just that, I'm not going to worry about it. Oh, yeah, because the brakes are working properly otherwise. Yeah. So that's all that matters. I don't know. Maybe maybe if I use it more, it won't come on. I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just stuck. It could be that the the tires are a different size. I didn't swap them around yet. Okay. Um, I did just order new tires for it to to go on the new wheels because I just want to do that and have them on there and make the car look cool and... I'll figure out the sensor at some point later, changing it. Maybe you won't have to. 
Yeah, I, and I just didn't want. I wanted to make sure it wasn't something like catastrophically wrong with the ABS. Um, but that seems pretty straightforward, so I'm just gonna leave it for now, and I'll I'll get to it eventually. It makes it so you know you don't have to be in emergency status and you can just use the card and enjoy it. And it's not going to be like, you know, the wheel's going to fall off or the brakes are going to fail or anything like that. Yeah, so. if it comes on, I know I can just check the code again. Okay, yep, it's that. So, code 36. Um, but otherwise, I was driving it and I was like, oh, once the, you know, the weather warmed up a little bit, kind of likes the warmer weather better. And uh, the brakes are free because one's not seized up. It's, they completed uh, the tune-up too, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that might be part of your running better part too. <laughs> yeah, it's got. I put a fresh tank of gas in it, fuel injector cleaner. It's almost. I've gone like two hundred miles. And I still have like a little less than half a tank. So. Not bad. No. Um, Not bad good. at all. I I figured I get about two hundred and fifty miles out of the tank in the in the crest that I this weekend. So. Because that, that trip we did, we wound up, because it was a long way, it wound up being a 200-mile round trip. So mm. it was a good, it was a really good shakedown for the car because I haven't used it other than, like, around the neighborhood yet. <laughs> yeah. So it was good to get it out there. But, um, so I worked on the Starion again. Mm. Everybody kind of forgot I owned that thing, probably. I have a complaint. Yeah. Not that you're probably surprised. When you order a new fuel filter. Yeah. Have they not almost always come with new crush washers. Yeah, they usually do. I wonder if they fell out of the box. I don't know, but they didn't come with it. So now here's my actual complaint. Nobody sells them locally. No, because it's like a weird thing to sell, I guess, and they'd have to know what size it was. It's not like a part store thing. Like they're not good enough to like know it. And like, I don't understand why. I guess that's like the complaint. Like there's no like old school, car knowledge type parts places anymore. It's all, they're all just corporate places and yeah. they just sell the same stuff. Well, the guy at AutoZone told me to go look at the drain plugs, like oil pan drain plugs. I mean, yeah, that would have been like, maybe he's, he's not far off. No, he's not far off. Um, and they do have, so it's a, it's a 12, a metric 12 yeah. bolt. So I need a metric 12 crush washer. Um, so they do make metric 12 oil drain plugs. So I was like, oh, that'd be cool. But the only way they sell a metric 12 drain plug is one of two ways. Um, I could buy a package of them, which is what I want, but they're rubber, which won't do me any good on a fuel line. Yeah. Uh, or they sell them with a plug for like six ninety nine, which I have yeah. to buy four of them. And they only stock one because at the point I would have bought four plugs, you know, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Um, or they sell them in a variety pack, which I don't know why you'd buy a variety pack of one each crush washer. So it was a metric 12, metric 10, a half inch, and something else. But they only had one of those. So it's like, I need four metric 12s. I don't need one metric 12, one half, one metric 10. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I found you that uh, sorted thing on like Amazon. No, and I had found them on Amazon as well. And I was like, oh, I'll just order on Amazon. And I'll have it tomorrow. But everything on Amazon for them is five days out. Yeah, I mean they're twenty bucks. I would just buy it, and then the thing is, like, oh, that's what I did. I, I've, I've already ordered them now. Yeah, because it's a giant thing of assorted copper crush washers. Which, when you're yeah, but once I use all the metric twelves, I'll have no, no use for the rest of them because everything I own will. is the same. Sure, you will because they normally the parts usually normally come with them. You don't 
you just happen to need them. But like, they're good for like brake caliper lines and a couple other things. Like, you always need like random copper crush washers sometimes, or the ones you like got with a part, like you dropped or something. Yeah. Well, like sometimes when I get reman calipers, they send extras. I throw them in the drawer because like it's hard to find copper crush washers. Yeah, and I always save them with like oil changes and stuff if they don't if they're not used for whatever reason. I always I have extras yeah. of those, but they're a not the same because they're the ones I have are the Mitsu ones. They're not copper. They're like the silver. Those would work. Thicker ones. Yeah, they probably would work, but uh, I don't know. I just want to do it right because I don't want to do everything twice. Oh, I'm thinking so. no, no. I'm thinking they're they're more of a crush style. I'm, yeah, they're they're I'm, a thicker piece. I'm not looking yeah, for. I'm thinking they'd come with like. Even if it was the same size, but it was an aluminum flat. Yeah, that'd be fine. Too. Yeah. You just need something and that's soft to crush. Honestly, come to think of it, I probably could buy a bag of something like that at Home Depot. Maybe. It just isn't the same. You know, I, I'm just frustrated that no local parts store is like the, the closest thing we have to an old school style parts store is at Napa. And even Napa doesn't sell these things. So, yeah, it depends on the Napa. Some are more corporate. Some are more independent. It's. It's just frustrating. It's just it's me being a grumpy old man, probably, and I just, these aren't the kind of things that cars don't still use today. It's not like I, I'm trying to get a spark plug for a Model T, you know. I just naturally assume that an auto parts store does not have any of the things that I'm looking for, other than like oil, brake clean, and like a wax, large variety wax, of air fresheners, waxing and cleaning stuff. That's it. Yeah, and like spray paint. Um. And like, you know, like heat paint and like brake caliper paint because everything else, like, I don't know. I just. They're accessory stores. Yeah. Because they went from having an accessory aisle to be an accessory store. Yeah. So. Because the, the cars that I work on, the parts are never in stock. So I don't even bother. Like, I just assume that they don't have them. I, I, again, I didn't go in there trying to get a specific part for a 1984 Starion because I know they're not going to have it. I went in there to get copper crush washers, yeah. assuming they would have them. Yeah. So. It's just it's just very frustrating when you're working on something that is that minute of a thing because it's literally the last part of that styrian fuel system I haven't replaced to get to fix that problem I'm having. So and I, I need to change that and I bought a gauge so that if it doesn't fix the problem, I bought a, ga- a gauge and an adapter for the uh, Mitsubishi style fuel injector hose. To, so I could run a gauge in line and see if I'm not getting enough fuel pressure because then it would be the pump itself is the problem. So it's a cheap aftermarket pump. So, but I wanted to change the filter first because, you know, it, I think I changed the filter in that car, but again, the car sat for almost a decade, so it could be all gummed up inside. Who knows? So I just, I'm trying to do the right thing. It's just frustrating when you can't do the right thing because the parts don't exist locally when you're looking for a universal part. So... I don't know, just just a, a, a frustrating moment in working on cars in 2021 because those parts should be readily available, period. Yeah, I guess. I'm going to start a crush washer company, Andrew, because obviously there's a need for my services. And yeah, I will ship I, things overnight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if like a Bolt Depot carried them or something or... right. Or a Fastenal. You know, Fastenal might have them, but there's not Probably, a Fastenal yeah. conveniently near me. And all the Fastenals around here close at five. 
Yeah, so, because they're mostly made for like uh, industrial stuff. Like, yeah, well, they're made for jobbers to go buy stuff during the working day, and I I get it. I don't begrudge them for closing at five. It just means I can't get them. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like you know, and this is not car related, so it's a little off topic, but we're having the same issue with a house thing right now. Like our water heater stopped making hot water. So we have one of those tankless water heaters. Yeah. So they're not as, you know, universal as a traditional water heater. So we started looking it up. You know, when we bought the house, it came with all the paperwork that had for that water heater. So we're looking at it. We look at the model number up. I'm trying to find the parts. Turns out it's one you can buy at a Lowe's or a Home Depot. So I go to Lowe's to see if they have... Sorry, I, I try to figure out what's wrong with it first. It turns out you can test the heating elements. There's two heating elements, and they're supposed to have between 7 and 15 ohms across the across the positive-negative terminals. Um, one of ours had like 6.8, and the other one was just open. There was no there was no continuity. So I was like, oh, well, clearly that's an issue. Um, and then we changed it to the buzzing one just to make sure, and one of them you know, buzzes when you put the continuity on it, and the other one... Nothing. So it's obviously the hard water and whatnot corrodes them inside the, the thing and they and they, they stop working. So I'm like, all right, well, they sell these at Lowe's, so Lowe's must have the parts. Nope. Lowe's doesn't have the parts. We go to the company's, it's EEMAX, like E-E-M-A-X. We go to their website, local distributors. We find a plumbing supply store here in Phoenix that deals in EMAX, according to EMAX. We call them up. Oh, we can't sell it to you because you're not a you're not a business. I'm like, but you have it. Well, we probably can get it if we don't have it, but we can't sell it to you because you're not a plumber. And I'm like, well, that's annoying. <laughs> so we go on Amazon. They don't exist. We go on Lowe's.com. They don't exist. So we find this company in Connecticut that will sell them to us, but we paid expedited shipping and they're not going to be here until this Thursday. So we haven't had hot water since Friday. Oh. Oh. Right. It's like, why are these things not available somewhere? Like, if you sell this in a Phoenix Lowe's home improvement store, why don't you sell the parts? They have all this variety of other ones of the heating elements for all these tankless water heaters, but not for the one that we have. And they're... Also, what's what's the issue with not selling direct? I don't understand. Like, just charge the retail price and and the tax. I'll pay more. Yeah, exactly. Like, just you're sell me looking, the parts. You're not looking for the wholesale <laughs> price. I'm not looking for a discount. I just want the part. I want it today because I want a hot shower. This is annoying. Okay, call back. All right, this is Brad's plumbing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is my credit card. Yeah, I, I should have done that, but didn't think about it. So anyway, we paid the expedited shipping, and uh, there's no customer service. You call them, and nobody answers the phone. And then we got finally got a shipping label or a shipping notification today that will be here on Thursday. It's like... So we're going to put these in, and if they do fix the problem, obviously I'm going to buy a second set and have them on hand in case it happens again because, you know, this water heater, uh, based on what we can find, is probably three years old. So if they're going to be need to be replaced every three years, I'm not going to want to have a week of no hot showers every three years. And they're not expensive. They're like 30 bucks. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a big deal. It's cheaper than getting the thing, getting a, a traditional one serviced, you know? So... This sounds anyway. like the exact opposite of like when I installed our, this is, this is auto uh, home improvement talk. Um, yes. The farm home improvement sink, off topic. Um, the farmhouse sink took 
we um, so either you have to build brackets for them because they're very heavy uh, and clay and they hold a lot of weight and to mount them in the cabinet or and then you fill uh, them with water and they're worse yeah so or my dad found this guy it was like it's like Paul's like farmhouse sink brackets or something <laughs> <laughs> legitimately it's like that and they're these they're these really nice like uh, bent stainless steel brackets all engineered you can adjustable width and when you put them in you can lower the sink below the height of the top of the cabinet so when, when they install your countertop when it's an under sink you know under uh, countertop mounted sink they can install the countertop and then you can turn the adjustment screws up so that it meets the bottom of the uh, countertop so they can seal it but anyway i was going to put it in and it was like kind of weird because we had really tight clearances and i was like man i don't like i don't know if i can mount it this way so i like either emailed the guy or called the number and he called me back and it's like yeah this is paul like it was like the it was like the guy like the paul yeah. The world famous sink mounting ball. I was like, "All right, can you, can I do it this way?" He's like, well, yeah. If you have low clearance, you can flip those brackets the other way. It'll work. I was like, "All right, cool." So interesting. So yeah, the exact the exact opposite of no customer service is the yeah no the inventor of the thing calling you. I I don't recommend for you. I don't recommend an Emacs hot water heater because the customer service is terrible. The hot water heater is fine. It works great. It's the, like the one of the cheapest things to run as far as heating your hot water goes, and it works. You know, theoretically, you could have hot water all day because you don't have a holding tank. Yeah, um, but it's just it's it's frustrating trying to get parts for something that you would think would be easier because it seems like it's a like a maintenance item. Yeah. So anyway, the ones the new ones we bought, they're they have a a zinc coating or something on them, and they're supposed to last longer. So. We'll see what happens, but I am definitely going to buy a backup set because it's been a miserable week of cold showers. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> it's, only, it's only been since Friday. Hey, I heard it's been 90 there, so you're all right. It's still cold in the house. <laughs> when you get out of a shower, a cold shower, and you're getting into your air-conditioned air. Listen, get some, get some PVC pipe, paint it black, fill it with hose water, put it on the roof. <laughs> and then you can dump it on yourself. It'll be a, a solar shower. This is this is true. Even cheaper than running it that way, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. Well, the, the kitchen sink water is still warm because it's close enough that the one functioning, the one poorly functioning heating element is enough to make that water like I don't know, eighty five degrees. How often do you need to take a shower? Well, I mean, do you want the real answer or do you want the the uh, societally approved answer. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. No, you need to shower every day just because it wakes you up in the morning, but it's a it's a it's a real wake up when that water is sixty five degrees. Because <laughs> that's what the groundwater is right here in Phoenix right now. The groundwater is coming out at like sixty three or sixty four degrees. So it's not it's not comfortable, I'll tell you that. But alas, I will not complain because the part will be here eventually. We were joking around this weekend that we we're going to go just stay in a hotel so we can take hot water, hot showers. There you go. But that doesn't make financial sense. So we didn't do it. But although I did do slip and slide, slip and slide with children this weekend, so I got clean then, right? So what do I need a shower for? Yeah. 
unrelated, don't do a slip and slide if you're near 40 years old. I wouldn't. Yeah. It's not. It sounds like a bad idea. It's not been a fun three days since <laughs> I, I hurt in places I didn't know I could hurt. So anyway, no slip and slide for anybody over 30 probably is a good, a good number. Uh, oh, I see these videos of drunk people playing like slip and slide baseball, but I was missing that key element of being a drunk people. Mm. So it just didn't work out. Anyway, to bring it back to cars, uh, have you picked up any um, diecast stuff lately, Andrew? Uh, I got a couple of green lights. Have you found the Hot Wheels of Volvos yet? Just the red one. I haven't found the, the premiums. I haven't found the yellow regular. Okay, so I have a green Amazon station wagon for you. So you're yep. in luck. I'm coming to Massachusetts in two weeks, and I'll bring it with me. I think I have the Skyline one. That's what I found that you're looking for, the Skyline yes, wagon? I am looking okay. for that. There we go. Sweet. Trade. Now we get a trade. Perfect. Yeah, so I picked up a couple of green light uh, delivery vehicles because full nerddom. Yeah, I look cool on my desk. Because yeah, you work for a company that deals with delivery vehicle trucks, right? So yep. They're essentially versions of what your company works on. Yeah. So that's cool. Excellent. And they're small enough to not take up a lot of space, but detail enough that look cool. Cool is definitely a uh, opinion, but that's all right. Um, they do not take up much space until you have tons of them. Like my desk now is gotten ridiculous because I keep adding to it when I'm doing that diecast daily post on our auto off topic Instagram page. I, like, I take the pictures of the car and then I leave it on my desk shelf. And now it just looks like a kid's playroom. So I need to move some of them somewhere else. <laughs> so uh, moving on to our last subject of the night. Um, Bobby Unser passed away this week. Yeah, I saw that. He was one of the, you can't really call him the patriarch of the Unser family. Um, but he's one of the patriarchs of the Unser family. So it was him and Al and Jerry Unser were the three oldest of the Unser racers. You know, you probably know um, like Al Unser Jr. and Bobby Unser Jr. And you probably know Bobby Unser second best to Al Unser Jr. Because he won the Indy 500 a bunch. I think he won it three times. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the differences between all the answers. I don't know. I just know uh, the, gene- the, gene- the genetic makeup is a little different between them, Andrew. That's the difference. Yeah, uh, I, they're some are older than others. <laughs> I just know the name is associated with Indy Five Hundred and Pikes Peak. Yeah, big time. Uh, you, any, anything USAC from like you know the '60s until the early '80s when USAC was a driving force of IndyCar stuff. Um, but Bobby Unser won. The Indy 500, I think, three times, maybe four times, three or four times. Um, I, I have to look it up because I don't remember. But I know 81, the year I was born, was one of the years he won. So I definitely do know that. Uh, and he won Pikes Peak overall a couple of times. Uh, most recently in 86, driving an Audi. He drove the um, the Group B Audi to an overall victory at Pikes Peak. So... He was uh, a pretty well-known family, obviously, in, 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 in racing. So definitely sad when somebody passes away. But he was 
87 or 88 years old. So he definitely had a, a pretty good, a pretty good life. Um, and he's a broadcaster in the late eighties, early nineties too, if you remember. He did a bunch of NASCAR stuff with Benny Benny Parsons. Nope, no, don't remember. don't remember. Okay. <clears throat> well, pre the days of like Daryl Waltrip and and all those guys being like broadcasters, it was Benny Parsons and because they Hitler. were racing still. Yeah, actually, probably were in the late eighties. <laughs> he definitely Daryl Waltrip was definitely still racing then. So. Um, I will say that I was looking some stuff up about Bobby Unser just to kind of have a little conversation about him. Um, and if you go to his Wikipedia page, there's a whole column about his federal criminal charges. Oh yeah. Do you want to know what uh, Bobby Unser was charged with in 1996? Uh, running drugs. Nope. Nope. Riding his snowmobile in federal land was a whole thing on wikipedia about how he got in trouble because his machine got stuck and he was there with a buddy in new mexico somewhere obviously up in the mountains his buddy's machine broke down they found a barn where they stayed for two days and two nights in below zero weather suffering from hypothermia and vomiting blood okay they were they were rescued and then they were fined $75, which he appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. <laughs> so his his whole his whole column about his federal criminal charges, I was like, oh, I never heard about him getting in trouble. What could it possibly have been? Was because he rode his snowmobile in an in, inappropriate area in the National Forest Wilderness. Ah. So apparently somebody thought that was important enough to enter in his Wikipedia page. But I think the cooler story there is that he managed to survive for two nights in below zero. And then his fine was $75. And he appealed the decision all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Like his his multi-million dollar race car driver appealing a $75 fine. Wasting everybody's time. His, uh, His appeal, however, was denied by the Supreme Court. So he did have to pay his $75. Poor, poor old Bobby Unser. But anyway, to, to end on, on a positive note, yeah, Bobby Unser um, had a pretty successful racing career and rest in peace, Bobby Unser. So. All right, cool. Anything else? I don't think so, Andrew. Calling it a pod. Calling it a pod. Oh, one last thing. Good news. The Camaro is registered and uh, I'll be able to drive know. it when I'm there in two weeks. I don't know. I don't know what's it. It has not been for the past couple of years. It's insured, but not registered. So it has not been re-registered. Neat. Yes. So we'll get to play with that a little bit when uh, when I'm out there in a couple of weeks. And uh, if all goes according to plan, then I should be grabbing some tires for it and putting the green steelies back on it. So mm. yeah, change it up a little bit. So more to follow. Sounds good. Yep. All right. So you can follow us on Facebook, Out Off Topic Podcast, Out Off Topic on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. And Brad, where can they find you? TSISS350. Cool. As always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.